On this week's episode, we're talking about something that everyone has to deal with, and that is time. I chat with holistic time coach Becca Rich on how time management and a feeling of time scarcity affect our mental health and our ability to earn and manage money. Find out how to spend time based on your values, allow yourself to actually rest, and know where your time is going. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy. And I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockert, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, we are talking about something that we all experience and struggle with, and that is time. I'm chatting with Becca Rich, a holistic time consultant and coach at theholistictimecoach.com. She works with business owners, creatives, and leaders who started their businesses to get time freedom, yet end up overworked and overwhelmed. Sound familiar? (laughs) If you want to make the most out of your time and life and create a thriving and more sustainable relationship with time and work, make sure to connect with Becca. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Melanie. Yeah, I'm super excited to to be here and, and chat with you. Like I said in the intro, this is something that everyone deals with and struggles with every day. Similar to money, it's something that we all experience. And so, you know, I'm curious, you know, you work as a time consultant and coach. What led you to getting into this work? Yeah. So whenever I'm asked this question, I like to take it way back just because of how connected our childhood experiences are to how we currently perceive and use our time. And so as a, as a kid, I watched my parents work a ton. My dad was an entrepreneur, started his business when he was young. Um, my grandpa was an entrepreneur. Like my, both my grandparents worked in government. So like just in sort of grew up and, and around workaholism in a sense. And mm-hmm. when I went to college, I went and, you know, started studying to become an engineer. And almost immediately into college, I burned out, I got an intestine infection, was in the hospital, like pretty severe experience. And oh dear. I, yeah, it was, it was not fun at all to live in a dorm with an intestine infection and having to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, you know, in that experience, I, was in the hospital trying to meet a deadline. And that was sort of like that one of those like, holy moly moments, you just like wake up sort of and start to notice that you're choosing work over your own life and your own health, you know. And so I was brought to a yoga class (laughs) with a friend from a friend, which, you know, sounds a little um, out there in my recovery from this mental and physical sort of health crisis and went to a yoga class, fell in love with the yoga practice, became a Reiki certified Reiki practitioner, and then became a yoga teacher. My graduation from engineering, you know, from a bachelor's in engineering was to become a yoga teacher, which is really funny. So (laughs) after... I be- <laughs> after I became a yoga teacher, I was still working full time as an engineer. And that was sort of where I was juggling and balancing like a ton of things. I was planning my own wedding. We were traveling. We were trying to save up for, you know, for all of our life endeavors, me and my husband and working full time as an engineer and part time yoga teacher. And I was juggling all the things. And I found myself sort of going back to that, you know, same sort of story around like pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. But at this point in my life, I was like, I 
I have the tools sort of to like work on on my own health and put myself first and foremost before anything. And so sort of this whole journey, the last nine years has really been about how can I put myself first in terms of time and um, energy and priority and, you know, accomplish my dreams and goals, right? Make sure that I'm balanced and well taken care of and make like making progress on building the life that I wanted to make. And so sort of, you know, that has led me down to the the path of becoming a, a certified holistic coach and time consultant. And I'm sort of just like putting all of my experiences and, and trainings sort of together to help people who need some support around making that happen, making that balance and ease and peace within happen as they approach, you know, building their dreams and their goals. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing your personal story. And, you know, there's this saying in personal finance that you should pay yourself first. And I think when it comes to mental health, it's really about putting that time for yourself first. And I think that's kind of another way that we can think of paying yourself first when it comes to mental health. So I'm so glad that you have the tools now to focus on your physical and mental well-being and that you're sharing this message with other people. So similar to money scarcity, a lot of people feel like they have time scarcity and feel like they'll never have enough time. And that is a constant refrain in their brain. You know, I'll never have enough time. I'll never have enough time. I never have enough time. How can someone combat these feelings and start to engage with new thoughts? Yeah. So I love this question because it is very similar to money scarcity, but in terms of the difference, it's, you know, time is, is our lives and, and money, they're both tools in order to like live and work and, and be in the life that we want to create. However, at the end of the day, like time is, is a natural limited resource that we can't get back. And so there's sort of like this extra pressure I feel like that that is put on time in order to make the most of our time and to you know to to maximize it right to to make time as meaningful and purposeful as possible and so this sort of pressure adds to this thought around I never have enough time I never get enough done I never fill in the blank whatever you end up saying around time and so I just want to say that Mm -hmm. what you mentioned in the beginning Everyone experiences this, you know, especially people who have big dreams, who have big goals, who have families, who have basically everybody, right? Whoever like wants to do something Mm -hmm. meaningful with their time in life, like you probably end up saying to yourself, I don't have enough time. And so that's where we sort of come in and start to combat that thought. And so the first thing that you do, right, same with money scarcity, is to approach and figure out like, what do you say about time and about yourself in regards to time and productivity and getting things done, et cetera. And so the first step is really just to get clear on what is your reality today and and what do you tell yourself? What do you feel about time and your relationship to it and with yourself, right? So like if you're a super judgmental, critical person around to yourself, it's really probably connected to your thoughts and feelings about time. Um, The second sort of step here is, you know, when it comes to time management, we usually typically think of, right, calendars, planners, and, and that's it. But when in reality, like time management or just time in general in order to make the most of it and, and really feel like you have enough of it, there's sort of two things that aside from your your thoughts and your relationship to time and yourself, there's like two main things that I work with with my clients and that is planning and spending your time authentically. What actually works for you? So in terms of planning, like you're going to never have enough time if you don't plan to use your time in the best way possible. So figuring out like what is on uh, what is an authentic way of planning your time. Some people, it's time blocking. Most of the people, most people don't really enjoy time blocking. Some people like a digital calendar or a paper planner. So like it's figuring those things out that really do work for you and allows you 
to plan your time as authentically as possible. And obviously it comes back to that relationship to time and self um, piece, which is like the foundational piece before you can start planning, right? You have to believe and think that you have enough time in order for you to plan your time authentically, you know? And then the other piece of sort of like time is spending it authentically. So if you feel like you have never enough time or that you don't get enough done, it's you starting to be more present and aware of what you do get done and how you spend it and and work on combating the things that you don't want to spend your time on, getting rid of those as much as possible. And it all comes back down to integrity with spending your time authentically. Like how can you be in most authentic and integrated with your values and who you are? And so that's, you know, overview of the work that I do with my clients is, is creating enough time, creating a time abundance through all of these different ways. Yes. I love all of those tips. Thank you so much for sharing. I think getting to that time abundance and feeling like I have enough time, I maximize my time, I spend my time with ease and joy is so crucial. And one of the main things that I've done this past year that has just been completely revolutionary is instead of managing my time based on what I want to get done, I've started managing my time based on how I want to feel. And so that means instead of, you know, grabbing my phone first thing in the morning, scrolling on social media, I started going on walks and reading first thing in the morning because I wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel like I did have some time for myself because I was one of those people where I was just working, working, working all day. And then the self-care was at the bottom of the list, you know, in the evening because I was too tired. And so I was like, the only way that I can actually prioritize this and make this happen is the first thing in the morning when I have an abundance of energy. And that will make sure that I put time in the right place and literally put myself first, as I was kind of talking about earlier. And constructing your time based on how you want to feel rather than what you want to get done has been just revolutionary for me. And it sounds like you kind of do similar work with your clients. Right. Yeah, it it very much so. Like, you know, obviously, as a holistic time coach, whatever my clients bring to me, however they want to use and spend their time, how, however they want to do it is what we explore, is what we discover together. You know, some people aren't maybe as connected to their feelings and, and that kind of route that you took, which I want to acknowledge and celebrate how amazing that shift feels as, as I just hear you talking about it. Um, so, so cool. But if someone wants to, however they, you know, want to do it, it's limitless, right? And that's what's so beautiful about coaching is that it, it really allows people to step into however they want to do it, however they want to see time and use time and, you know, make their lives. Yes, that's such a good point. Like the beautiful thing about coaching is that you can cater to everyone's individual experience and their relationship to time and what they want to get out of it. So, you know, what works for me might not work for somebody else, but that's where working with someone like you can really bring out a solution that does work in different modalities. And that is amazing. So I wanted to talk about this feeling of being overbooked. So let's say it's not even a feeling, but someone is legitimately overbooked you know, they might be overwhelmed, their calendar is just filled to the brim, they f- they're starting to miss appointments or things are slipping through the cracks. What advice do you have to manage and or take things off their plate? I know a lot of people deal with this anxiety of disappointing people or feeling like my career is going to be ruined if I take things off the plate or if I ask for more time. Like, what is your advice in that situation? Yes. And you, you totally touched on like the first piece of like thought that came to mind for me, which is starting with your expectations, starting with, you know, do you feel like you have to be a superhero, a superhuman and do everything on your calendar perfectly? That sort of like thought and feeling and belief is really what makes us tighten up, right? That's what makes us like push and force and and grind instead of ease through it with the peace that we're we're craving right and so yeah like 
figuring out, again, this comes back to that foundational piece of your relationship to self and time, um, relationship to your expectations. What do you expect of yourself? What do you feel like everyone around you is expecting of you? And sometimes, a lot of the time, it's really our own expectations that are disguised and, you know, our bosses and our coworkers or our employees or, you know, our spouses, partners, families, whatever. And so getting super clear and this sort of makes me think of like, you can ask those people what their expectations are of you. And that will also help you sort of probably bring them down because they're human too. They understand what it looks and feels like to be overbooked and overwhelmed. And so that's a really great place to start is just with your expectations. Um, The next piece is really like sort of an exercise that is about starting from scratch without having to actually do anything. So it's sort of like this mental exercise that we can do together. I've done this in in sessions with clients before is, is sort of like draw this plate right? (laughs) Everything that is on your plate, draw a circle on the piece of paper. And then just like a dinner plate, some dinner plates, I guess, has like that outer ring and the inner ring. And so you can actually do this as Mm -hmm. I talk about this, if you want a piece of paper, but starting from scratch, like what are in the inner ring of this dinner plate on your piece of paper? Like what is the most important priorities for you in your life? For a lot of folks, it is family, self, health, you know, jobs, business, whatever, wherever you are in in your professional life, and also basic needs, right? And I could have kind of mentioned health and and stuff, but really when it comes down to that basic thing, those basic focuses and priorities, it helps us with that expectation. And then sort of on the outer ring, you can add anything else that is sort of important, but not as important, right? And what is really interesting is that I end up finding most people don't add social media. They don't add Netflix. They don't mm, add yeah. um, They don't add all of the things that we spend four to seven hours on a day. And so it's always so interesting when is, it, is yeah. it actually overbooked or is it you're just spending too much time on things that are not your priority? And so this plate exercise really helps us get focused and, and get us like back to what I like to call sort of like bare minimum, right? And so that helps us restructure our days, restructure our expectations, and starts to help us get things off of our plate. And so when you start to find out like, what are some things that you are doing that are not on the plate, those are some things that you can take off your plate, right? (laughs) And so, um, and doing that might be hard, right? It's not easy. It's not easy to take things off our plate. It's our default to want to do more and more and more and more. And so it's not your fault. That's our default. (laughs) That's like our societal norms for us. And so, yeah, I think, you know, in that neutral space of that bird's eye view sort of place, you can think about what boundaries you need to set with your phone, with um, other people, with, you know, X, Y, Z, and also what ends up not being on this plate also is grocery shopping, cleaning, laundry, like all the things that like we do and spend hours on daily and weekly, um, we don't have to do. And so how can you take that, take some of those things off your plate? And if you have access, obviously getting support and help with things that you don't need on your plate. And so that's sort of just an exercise that I like to do that helps us sort of bird's eye view our life and time. That is such an amazing exercise, and I love that. And I think everybody should do a time audit. Like, for example, I use the app Rescue Time to kind of track my time on the computer. And it's shocking when I get the weekly reports. And, (laughs) you know, I'll see how much time I spend on social media. And that was part of the change that I made last year is, like, I was seeing how much time I was spending on social media but yet I wasn't prioritizing reading or walking. And I was like, why do I never have time for walking or reading when I say that that's a priority, but clearly I'm not actually doing it. And so then once I saw how much time I was spending on social media, that's when I put, you know, my actual goals, which is walking and reading on the front end. And I put time constraints on social media. So I use self-control, which is an app on Mac to control how much time I spend on social media. I have um, 
locks on my phone to track how long I'm spending on social media and really rearranging that because sometimes we just feel like we have no time, like you said, but we're spending it in different ways without even realizing it. And this is so similar to money. You know, sometimes we end up spending carelessly when we're not spending on our values. And so having that time audit, that budget audit is so important. And I love that you mentioned expectations because sometimes we do create a lot of expectations about our own performance and our own work. And we make assumptions as well about how other people will react if we do ask for more time. I remember, you know, I've been a a freelancer for seven years now and that's how I make my living as a freelance writer. And I remember the first time that I asked for a deadline extension, I was like, they're going to fire me. They're going to hate me. They're never going to work with me again. It was totally fine and no one (laughs) cared. And I'm still making my living this way. And, you know, it's not something that I love to do and I don't do it often, but when I absolutely need to for my physical and mental health, because I just can't possibly meet the deadline, it's better to communicate and set expectations with someone. And more often than not, they're fine. And so I think sometimes we do make things bigger in our head than what they actually will be. And facing that fear can show you that, oh, things do work out when I communicate and set boundaries. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You said so many good things in that response. I think like, um, you know, in terms of the time audit, like you mentioned, there's so many tools and apps and things out there that can help. I know a lot of people sort of have an aversion. I saw a statistic that 17% of people actually track their time. And so like, you know, 80 something percent of people have no idea, have no awareness generally speaking, about where their time actually goes. And so I just think about like, what if it was the opposite? What if 80 something percent of the population knew where their time went and then spent it in the way that was most aligned and in integrity with their values and who they are? Our society would look so different. It's just so wild to me. And that's sort of like my hope and dream and mission with this whole, with my business, right? Is to help more and more people spend their time because in in the most meaningful and purposeful way for them, because when they do that, most of the people I work with are value driven and are social activists or want to be like for us to be able to spend our time on our dreams, our goals, feel well rested and give back to our loved ones, give back to our communities, local or more wider, like it would just change the world, right? And so I I love that you mentioned, you know, there's tools and things out there, but I know a lot of people have an aversion for time tracking, which is why I sort of, you know, created that plate activity for us to, you know, do it without having to track. So you can totally do it any way that makes sense. Anything that is going to help you get more awareness around where you're currently spending your time is what's best, right? Is is where you start with with this whole, you know, journey. And then something else that you mentioned that I thought was really cool was sort of like um the more awareness that you have, I, I read something and I, I stand by this, the more aware, present and in tune with yourself and carrying that through with how you spend your time. That's why I sort of talk about integrity, right? Managing your time isn't always just plan your your calendar and then not follow it or buy a new planner at Staples or something like it really comes mm-hmm. down to being in integrity with who you are and carrying that out and so I really love what you shared um in your journey of of spending your time more in integrity with your priorities your focuses it's really beautiful thank you yeah it's it's been a great journey and You know, like you mentioned earlier, time is a finite resource, whereas money theoretically is an infinite resource that we can always make more of. So time is more important in that way. And I'm so glad we're bringing attention to this very topic because, you know, at the end of our lives, at the end of our days, we want to make sure that we've spent our time wisely and have the good memories and experiences to show for it. So this next question, you know, I know my own personal experience and answer, but I would love to hear from you. How does poor time management affect someone's mental health and money? Yeah. So I think, you know, on the first, I always like to, as 
as I keep answering these questions, like the first foundational piece is your relationship to yourself. And when you are, you know, struggling with spending your time in, in most, you know, integrity and authentic to who you are, there's like automatic shame and guilt, right? There's this automatic sort of negative inner critical voice that tells you that you are wasting it, that you are doing something wrong, um, that you are not good enough. And so it really, really shifts and shapes your relationship and perception with yourself, to yourself, your capabilities, your um, just like, you know, everything, how you see the world, how you see time, like this is sort of where the time scarcity piece comes into place. And so that is all really going to impact your mental health, right? Yeah. And depending on, you know, your beliefs around money, like I, I believe that impacts your ability to make money when you are always shaming yourself for not being good enough, for not spending your time in the most capable, wise way, authentic way. And then, obviously, you know, this is more of like a tangible thing, but when you aren't able to manage your time wisely in the most authentic way, like you have less time with friends and family you have less time for yourself, your own health, because we put our jobs first, right? We put our work first. And so like you mentioned earlier, putting ourselves and our joy, pushing our joy to the bottom of our priority list. And of course, that is going to affect our mental health. Of course, that's going to affect how we live and how we feel. And the whole point of being on this earth, this one precious, beautiful life that you have, if you know, you feel like you're wasting it and that you're not good enough and that you're not spending it with friends and family and not taking care of yourself in the best way that you know how, like that is like missing out on being human. That's missing out on on living your life to the fullest. And then in terms of, you know, money, like, especially so I work with business owners and CEOs, leaders, like as an entrepreneur, where and how you spend your time what you fill it with dramatically impacts how much money you make, right? Especially if you're a freelancer starting up or um, solopreneur or people, you know, without like a huge team. I think every entrepreneur out there <laughs> and business owner out there, mm-hmm. if poor time, like poor time management will impact the amount of money, but especially so when you're starting out and, and you're alone, you don't have a team, like that kind of stuff. It impacts your energy your presence with clients, customers, it impacts everything. And if you're employed by someone, poor time management may not affect your money, your pay necessarily, but it totally can depending on, you know, your employment and and situations and stuff, but it impacts everything. And that's what is always so interesting to me is that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm okay at time management, but I, I'm exhausted and I don't sleep well and I, um, you know, I don't do what I say I want to do and like all the, you know, whatever else they say, a lot of the people that, that talk about being good at time management, like there's sort of like this disconnect of like what time management actually impacts and affects. And so I, you know, I believe that it impacts and affects everything because time is our life, you know? Yeah, totally. And you brought up so many good points. And, you know, I just wanted to share a little bit of my own personal experience and some anecdotes. But, you know, I'm in a busy season in my business right now. And I feel very grateful for that. But I also, you know, have more of my time getting encroached upon by other people's priorities and tasks. And I've realized it you know, affecting my mental health. And I realize when I feel like my time is no longer mine or when I feel like I can barely carve out any time for myself and my priorities, that's when it starts affecting my mental health significantly. So that's been something to be aware of as I, you know, go through a busy season and, you know, for me to double down really on taking care of my mental and physical health. And I actually wrote an article about this a few years ago about the cost of rushing. You know, a lot of the times rushing can cost you more money. And so I'll give a few examples. So let's say you're rushing and you end up buying a gift late or a flight late. It's going to cost you more because you're going to pay for expedited shipping. You're going to have to pay 
more because you're flying closer to the date. Um, I know when I was side hustling a lot, when I was paying off my debt, I was constantly going from here and there and everywhere. And I was rushing and, and very clumsy to the point where I ended up, <laughs> this sounds weird, but I hit my eyebrow on a wall because I was rushing no. and I ended up having to go to the doctor to see if I needed stitches. And it just ended up being this like unnecessary, costly endeavor. And so, you know, you see these things that end up costing you more money. And also like, let's say you sign a contract or you sign an agreement where you're not really reading the fine print because you're rushing and it costs you more. Or you have to cancel a gym membership or cancel before the free trial is up and you forget and because you're rushing. That's going to cost you money. Like there are so many instances where rushing will lead to additional costs. And I've just seen that so much in my own life. And it's like when I slow down, I have the time to deal with things and to plan ahead and to also not get myself into situations that are going to cause inadvertent expenses that I don't really need at this time, you know? Oh, I love that. Oh, two things that I wanted to like reiterate. (laughs) Uh, Like those are so many great examples. Like what you mentioned is this is a busy season. And so that is something that I work with a lot with my clients is how can you ebb and flow with seasons and your work and your business Mm -hmm. and your life, like in your mental health, like with, you know, typical time management, it's like put your ideal schedule in your calendar and then follow it. And if you don't follow it, you're wrong. And like all of these sort of things, whereas like, how can we ebb and flow? How can we live in this season where we are right now? And then something like about your, that came forward when you were sharing about your article is, is the cost of rushing. Like nothing bad has ever happened to anyone. Obviously this is like a big statement, when they're present and intentional and I I don't necessarily want to say slow, but slow, right? Like nothing bad has ever Mm -hmm. happened when you are present to right here in this moment, when you're rushing, when you're forcing, when you're grinding, when you're like pushing and trying to like get yourself to someday, like that is where we make mistakes and that is where it costs us. And so I really, really love all of the tangible examples that you give because it really solidifies that thought of, of like the more present that you are to life, to work, to your, you know, everyday little moments, like you're going to feel alive. And that's really all our goal is for being on this earth really is just to feel alive and to feel content and to feel like, you know, we've, we've got this, right? So I love that you, that you shared that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I mean, similar to money, you know, expenses come up and that's why it's important to have a buffer for your budget. It's similarly important to have a buffer for your time budget because things happen. And when we don't have any room to breathe, so to speak, that's when things can happen. You know, I remember about a month or two ago, I was on like three deadlines in one day Mm. and my cat had ended up chewing my MacBook charger and I needed a replacement like right away. And I had to go to the store and it took, you know, several hours of my day to call around to the stores to see which one had this particular charger because it's an older Mac. And then, you know, it's like, I felt like I just didn't even have the time to have this happen. But then I was like, of course this would happen because life inevitably, you know, happens. And so it was foolish of me to just pack my schedule to the brim thinking that nothing would come up. We should anticipate that things come up. And so that's something that I'm kind of retraining myself on and also with my work is just expecting that things come up because I was so stressed that day. I did have to ask for an extension because it just took up a few hours of my day that I wasn't expecting. And, you know, everything worked out. I didn't get fired or get in trouble and everything was fine. I fixed the problem, but it was definitely annoying and you know, I think sometimes the universe has a interesting way of teaching us lessons. It was like, of course, on the busiest day of work, like my cat chews my MacBook charger and I'm at 20% on my laptop. So I like <laughs> need it right now. <laughs> so, you know, I think 
the universe has a sense of humor sometimes. And if we're open to the messages of like, okay, yeah, I can't pack my schedule this much and I need to just have a buffer because things will happen. It's not if they happen, it's when. Right. Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff. And, you know, depending on just, you know, relaying this into something a little tangible in terms of how to, how to carry this through is, is like put a cap on how much you like put on your to-do list or your calendar each day. Right. Or like something that I sort of do in, in, not a strict way, but like if I put more than like three things that I want to work on in my day, um, like I know that something's going to be pushed. And so I've, you know, after mm-hmm. learning my own patterns and my own responsibilities and priorities, like three is my magic number, right? But everybody has, has a different number or a different way of of processing, like what is their capacity? What is a strategy that is useful and actually feels good to set those those boundaries and limits for how much that they put on their plate on a day or a week or even a month or quarter you know like figuring out what is too much is is definitely part of part of this journey here that you speak about so yeah yeah totally and I I love the kind of capping it to three things per day and it's so important that we play around with what feels natural and okay because something that I have experienced with this busy season is just the realization that oftentimes we don't know our limits until we reach them. Yeah. <laughs> like several times in the past couple of months, I'm like, okay, I've reached my limit. I'm there. I literally can't take on anything else. And so it's just interesting because when you have enough time, you're like, yeah, I can take on more or like, yeah, it's fine. But then when you're like, oh, man, I bit off more than I can chew. That's when you start to realize like, okay, this is too much. And I think it's important, you know, to be aware of those times. And then also that it is kind of a research process of figuring out what those limits are. And sometimes, you know, you hit them and then you have to rearrange and readjust. Yeah, one of my favorite things in in my own program, balanced success, like my sort of visual of my methodology is an infinity symbol, like managing your time is part of this ebb and flow is part of nature is part of the cyclical, you know, experience of life and day and night and, and our seasons. And so it's an experiment, you are never going to be perfect at managing your time because in two months, or next week, your entire schedule is going to change. Like it changes pretty much for me every three months. And that's why like I have it built into my calendar to update my schedule every single three months, if not, you know, more frequent than that. But every three months I kind of do like a schedule audit of myself and I change it up based on, on my responsibilities and what I'm working on and my projects and things like that. And so, you know, as much as our brains want this stable rule and, you know, one, you know, magic pill or solution for managing our time and this perfect planner type thing, like it's not possible. And what's really at the root of all of this is like the the stronger relationship you have with yourself and time, you're going to be able to move with the ebb and flows and create this infinity symbol and an experiment without the shame, without the guilt, without the not enoughness, right? And so, yeah, that's it's really beautiful that you know this came forward as is this experimentation always. <laughs> yes, I love that updating your schedule every quarter because yes, we are seasonal beings, just as nature has its own seasons of winter and spring. So I love that. So I wanted to move on to uh, another important question that I'm sure a lot of people are curious about. So. You know, if someone has a mental health condition such as depression, ADHD, or whatever other condition that may be affecting them, that makes it very difficult to manage time. What do you recommend and how can they get started without feelings of shame? Yeah. So I think, you know, to to level sort of the playing field around this question is like managing your time is difficult even without a mental health condition. Everyone has juggles their phones and Netflix and multiple jobs and loved ones and caretaking and, and ourselves. Like there's so much on all of our plates. However, I don't want to like say that 
your mental health condition doesn't impact how you, you know, feel about time or your ability, capability to manage time. And I'll caveat all of this with saying I am not a mental health professional. Um, I am diagnosed with PTSD. And that sort of, you know, my experience with mental health and, and time and being a part of, of being a human. Um, but, you know, everyone is unique. And so from my perspective, like, if you have depression or PTSD or anxiety or ADHD or whatever, like, use your uniqueness instead of like shaming it and telling yourself that you have to be something else you know society has expectations and role models to be like this perfect productive robot that's all like fake (laughs) like that's not real so you know Mm -hmm. rebelling against that and using your beautiful brain as it is to manage your time will help eradicate a lot of that shame Obviously, if you're struggling with coping or meeting your basic needs, of course, you know, seeing a therapist. I see a therapist who helps me with with my own mental health journey. And again, just like coming back to once, you know, you feel like you can meet your basic needs, then it's like that next step of from like coping to healing to thriving. And so when you move towards thriving, getting support whether that is a coach, whether that is, you know, continues to be a therapist, whether that is delegating your groceries and laundry, if that is, if you're able to, figuring out where in your life you can reach for support and get help. And it's not about getting like help as in like you need help and, you know, something's wrong with you. It's like get help and support around using your beautiful, unique brain and self to make the most of your time in life because it's short, right? And so there's nothing wrong with getting support on making you move from coping to healing to thriving. And honestly, I think everyone always should have support. Like you don't even have to be struggling in order to get support. Um, So yeah, that's sort of my thoughts around that. (laughs) I love that. such a great answer. And, you know, I definitely am pro-therapy for everyone, whether you're struggling or not. I definitely am pro-medication if that's something that is needed and required. And, you know, that can make a huge difference. And then, yeah, like similar to what I was saying earlier, I think if you are struggling, you know, reframe the question, what do I need to do to feel good? Because when you're in that place of like, you feel like you can't do anything because everything is hard, maybe just lighten up a little bit and say, you know, what can I do to feel good? And maybe that's, reusing your time in different ways like taking a bath or reading or napping and maybe that's not quote productive in the way that you normally think it is but if it helps you with your mental health that is probably the most productive thing you could possibly do so I think a lot of it also is about reframing the way that we think of productivity for sure and that's sort of where I think about like you know your relationship and perception with time and productivity For me, like, you know, one of the things that I do with my clients is obviously getting clear on who you are so we can use your beautiful, unique self to spend your time in the most aligned way. And one of those things is values. One of the ways that I do that is through your core values. And um, yeah, like, it's really, really cool to be able to say to somebody if something is important to you, is of value to you, is part of your core values, that is productive. Period. Mm-hmm. Put blank. Like, that is productive. It's not about what society thinks is productive or successful or anything or what you think other people in your life think is productive. Like, anything that is important to you is productive to you. Period that's it. (laughs) And so it's really cool to be able to see people sort of eradicate their their shame and guilt around doing certain things because it is productive. It is important to them. It is of value to them and makes them feel good. And that is being alive. That is living. (laughs) I'm going to celebrate you whenever anyone tells me that they've done something that is important to them, aka reading or bathtubs included. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I love that. That's actually a perfect segue into our final question. So, you know, something a lot of people suffer from is toxic productivity. This is especially the case with entrepreneurs, side hustlers, etc. 
there's this feeling of guilt around relaxing and quote, doing nothing. And, you know, I know I used to be riddled with these thoughts and I'm getting much better, but how can people get over these feelings? Yeah. So there's an exercise, as you can tell, I love giving like actual tangible action, like exercises just because of my background in engineering I'm like let's do everything tangibly um there's this exercise that I did yes you I know, love it yeah like years ago that really helped me with this and it's sort of twofold and so I call them have done lists other people call them something different to do to the list when you know have got done lists I don't know but um just writing out what you have done again this sort of comes back to like awareness around how you spent your time but just being able to to visually see with your eyes with your brain that likes to fool us and tell us that we don't do enough this really helps us just seeing what we've done and I include brushing your teeth taking a shower sleeping like it's literally anything that you have done just write it down on a piece of paper it doesn't have to be a daily practice it doesn't have to be a weekly practice you can do it whenever you're feeling that shame and guilt or you can turn it into sort of like that daily practice um and then a, you know a step further is taking your to-do list <laughs> this is something that i had to do um years ago which really helped i wrote down everything that i thought of doing that i could do including like detailing mm-hmm. my car including like you know cleaning the baseboards, like literally anything that I could think that I could do, like, quote unquote, productive with my time. I looked at this list. And I chose myself. I chose to watch Netflix, I chose to just Mm. do nothing. And so it's sort of like this rebellious sort of exercise. The first one that I mentioned is a little bit more gentle. This one is more like, no, like I am choosing to be with myself. I am choosing to do none of this quote-unquote productive stuff yes and so both of those things are, are great exercises whenever you're feeling that like shame or guilt or anything around not doing anything and you know we've already mentioned sort of like this morphing blob of society and society's expectations and norms is is like part of this journey is is deprogramming and unlearning what you think society is telling you about productivity and always doing more and and turning it into this toxic sort of relationship with it. You know, when we think that we're not worthy, when we're late, we know sitting and being on a couch, if if we're not worthy of success for resting, if we're not worthy of living a good life for, I don't know, (laughs) like doing nothing, like I don't like whatever you want to do with your time that you feel guilty for, like, I I understand like why if you're listening to this and you feel this like I understand why you do but doing the work to unlearn that so you can feel more at peace is really going to help you and so rebel (laughs) like rebel against it unlearn it do the two exercises that I shared with you there's so many more that I can share with you if you're interested in you know working together or anything like that but this is part of this whole time management journey is like, how can we spend our time in the most aligned way possible? And that includes relaxing, that includes spending time with family, that includes doing nothing. And a quote that I'll sort of end this whole (laughs) rant that I'm really passionate about is Pema Chodron in one of her books that I read um, said, you know, what, what are you so afraid of experiencing? And I'm this is meta phrasing, but um, Mm -hmm. like what, when we're bored, when we're doing nothing, when we're feeling lazy, we have to meet ourselves. And so this whole like Mm -hmm. addiction to work and doing, like asking yourself, like, what are you so afraid of, of experiencing a feeling when you do nothing, when you relax? And that is really the root of, you know, the exploration of, of your relationship to self in terms of time and, and productivity. And it's, it's hard, especially with mental health, right? There's trauma that we get met Ooh. with. There's, there's so yeah. much stuff about ourselves that we get met with. And that is why support is 100% necessary in this journey. 
Totally. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because sometimes workaholism is a trauma response. You know, it's because we cannot sit still. We cannot sit in silence because we cannot deal or manage with the emotions that may come up. You know, some people think that they're only worthy if they're working or they're afraid to face whatever demons are in their other areas of life that might come up when they stop. And I've totally been there, you know, a couple of years ago when I had to face all these other personal issues when I was like, oh man, I've just been working, trying to bulldoze over these issues. And believe you me, those issues will find a way to find you. So you have to, you know, be able to sit with yourself and your emotions and also anything that is good for your mental health is productive. And I'm also always reminded of this meme that's like, you weren't born just to pay bills and work and yes. die. And like, you know, I always remind myself of that when I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to keep going. It's like, yeah, on my deathbed, I'm not going to really be like, I wish I would have worked more. I'm going to remember all the good and happy times that I spent with loved ones and, you know, new experiences. I'm not going to be thinking about work at all. At least, my goodness, I hope not. <laughs> so, you know, thinking about kind of our, our, our long-term mortality in a way can help us really shift perspective as well. Yes, I think there's this book, I, I don't know the title of it right now, but I gave it to my mom and it was like the top five regrets of the dying. And it was yeah, like, I think number one or two is I wish I would have worked less. And so that, you know, is a way, like you said, keeping mortality, keeping death, like that is a tool and a strategy for managing your time better. So if that helps you spend your time in a more authentic, aligned, peaceful, carefree, you know, whatever, fill in the blank way, then use it, right? Like use that keep death close to you if that is okay with you yes keep that regret keep that like top five you know regrets list and use the learnings and the experience of our elders of our ancestors of this universe to help you be most you Ah, this has been such an amazing conversation i'm so glad we got a chance to chat where can people find you and how can they work with you yeah. I'm I'm I love this chat as well and I just want to say like you ask amazing interview questions. So thank you for being a great interviewer. <laughs> um yeah, so if you literally like go to Google and type in the holistic time coach, you will get my website and you know Instagram and social media and all of that stuff and and I'm mostly active on Instagram, but when I say mostly active, it's like one one post a week. <laughs> like right now I'm, I'm re, you know, re- renovating <laughs> yeah. my relationship to social media. But if you're interested in working together, feel free to go to my website and, and learn more about how you can work with me. Perfect. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your time. <laughs> Thanks, Melanie. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.